We're still in a war here, Stephen. Only now it's a different kind of war. Maybe the worst of the two. It's hard to know who to trust. A situation like this makes you afraid. You have a face people trust. I'd rather have a face people fear. Well, that too, but... It pleases me that you care for what I have become. Never forget who I was, what I am, and what I can do. They destroyed ships from League Worlds, murdered their crews, destroyed White Star 16. And now, they will pay the price. End this. Sheridan and Dylan are about to discover what the shadows left behind. Who are you? The Revenge of Zahadu. On an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We are a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time and a group of first ones who are watching Babylon 5 for the umpteenth time. And we're here today to talk about Season 4, Episode 11, Lines of Communication. I'm Scott and with me is... Emily. Blake. Nicole. And Mike. We're a little short-staffed this week, but uh, we'll dragoon the other folks to come back as soon as we can. Before we get started, please make sure to check all the links down below in our description, including all of our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our Discord, which is through our Patreon. If you join our Patreon at any level, you can get access to the Discord. The Discord last week was yelling at me, so uh, it's always fun to watch. And a very special thank you to our members of the Great Council on our Patreon, our producers, who are all listed down below. Along with that, please, please, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe, whatever the buttons are on your app of choice, please hit those. And if you can, please leave us a review. Those reviews always help the show grow. We really do appreciate when we get some new ones in. And actually, I've got one here from back in the day of July of last year that I hadn't read before. So this comes from Plethorus. Awesome format. I just started listening to this a few weeks ago, which was, you know, six months ago, but oops. And I'm now up to season two. I am loving the format with a combination of longtime Babylon 5 fanatics, a couple of people who've seen the show but never obsessed about it, and a few who have never seen the show at all and know nothing about it, including one who's never watched any sci-fi beyond one of the Star Wars. Those last are my favorite. It's so much fun hearing all the impressions and speculations again, like we went through 30 years ago when the show was new. They're going episode by episode, and it's been fun watching each. 
for at least the dozenth time before listening to the podcast for that episode. Each episode is in two parts, one that includes all the newbies with no spoilers beyond the episode being discussed, then a second part with only those who've watched before discussing how everything fits into the larger story. It's an awful fun podcast as well. The participants seem like old friends, which I guess several of them are, just nerding out after each episode. The fact that a couple of them hated the show or hated my favorite characters, and it just added to the, as I kept wanting to say, oh, just you wait. Just feels wait and see. So thank you, Plotherus. Uh, sorry it took me seven months to read your review, but we appreciate it. That was a great one. <laughs> because they said they liked you, so of course it was a great one. No, and just in general, but yeah, partially. <laughs> she's like, she's like, oh, that's me. That's me. I'm the Star War. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, let's go ahead and start talking about lines of communication. Mike, I believe you have a synopsis for us. Yeah, uh, the. Field trip of Marcus and Franklin comes to a head. <laughs> oh wow! As they, as they forge an uh, an alliance uh, with the resistance fighters on Mars, uh, while Delenn and Lanier, meanwhile, take a task force of White Stars to go investigate recent attacks on Minbari allies, but end up finding out more about the state of the Minbari homeworld instead. That was good, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Steven. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. Let's go ahead and start uh, having our newbies give their first impressions. And like I said, we are short some newbies, so we only got two this week. But I'm glad that one of them is Nicole because we are talking about media. And uh, as Nicole is our media expert, quote unquote, even (laughs) though she did say before we started recording that she made a mistake (laughs) going into radio. But we'll let that be. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, Nicole. Nicole, give us your first impressions on lines of communication. Well, this was definitely a lot going on in this episode. (laughs) This is so stupid, but one of the things I like the most is they're really letting it fly with the swears and the almost swears. Like Sheridan saying, up yours, you lie in sack uh, when Marcus called Franklin a cheap bastard. (laughs) I'm just really enjoying like the more freedom, you know, I guess that's the... I can't say those things on the radio, so I like seeing them on TV. I really thought that was that was something I wrote down that I was like, they're getting a little loose these last, you know, this season here. So that was pretty fun. Um, there was some great quotes in this too. Basically, you know, Ivanova, the whole scene when she uh, was like, I'd rather um, have a face people fear. I was like, me too, girl, me too. You know, <laughs> like that was great too. So there's great one-liners in here. You know, the lens iconic end this. I feel like that's going to be my new response to anything that pisses me off. I just want to get like that, a gif of that, you know, and just live off that. Um, Okay, but anyway, that's nothing of substance. That's just my likes. Um, But this was a good episode. I thought each episode and each, you know, more we go along, I feel like there's multiple plots. Like before it was always an A and a B, but I feel like this one had A, B, and C plot, you know? And I thought it was... At first, I was like, is this going to be too much? But the way they weaved it in and the way that it all blended, it actually worked pretty well. So I really enjoyed the episode. I thought there was a good amount of distress and conflict. And then there was a good amount of humor. And then there was a good amount of sappiness and love, which you know I'm all about because I'm a sap. So yeah, I I just really like this episode. I have a lot of thoughts, which we'll get into. But yeah, overall, I thought this was a, a I don't want to say a fun one because there was some destruction and stuff, but I don't know. I feel like it was kind of a fun one. And Emily, first impressions. I didn't hate it. I know. <sighs> um, Like there was nothing particularly wrong with the episode, but there was there wasn't much that like really drew me in and 
Yeah, I might just be having another week. This just seems to be a perpetual state of my brain anymore. I did actually like Dylan basically telling Sheridan, you came back from Zaha Doom and you aren't exactly the same. And also I have my own shit to take care of. So you work on your shit, I'll do my shit and uh, we'll deal with some stuff later. I actually really appreciate that she said that regardless of how she meant it, she did acknowledge that he hasn't been the same. And it was interesting for Marcus to basically telling basically telling Franklin, hey, go for it, dude. You got an opportunity. Just take it. <laughs> so I'm still waiting on Marcus to uh, share his feelings with Ivanova or if they've changed. Share his feelings with Ivanova again. He didn't do very well the first time, but he definitely Yeah, did. more explicitly. So she understands because she uh, isn't taking a hint. But I did appreciate a new nightgown because this one looked black instead of blue. Yep. Not, not that uh, Sheridan noticed. I love that because we just nice. last week we uh, we recorded with Ryan from Yum Yum Podcast, and he joked about how Sheridan is definitely a missionary guy who really doesn't notice much and do much. And Ivanova calls him out on it, like, "Dude, I know we're we're not like you know attracted to each other, but what the fuck?" I know <laughs> she's standing Yo, an attractive woman and yeah. a good looking nightgown. Come on, yeah, you're trying she's... to get my man canceled. What do you like? <laughs> He's practically, but listen, she's practically in a nighty. Anybody with a fucking blood running through their veins will be like, "Damn, girl, with you know." Eyeballs, <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, dude. Well, you see, men of a certain age. Uh... <laughs> like, I don't even have a dude, and I had a heart on. Okay, like, I'm not a dude, but I had a, I had a the boner. old lady boner. Okay, <laughs> girl. But I'm just saying. I think wow. Ryan was uh, definitely right. Sheridan isn't horny enough for me to like him. <laughs> That's it. That's what has been holding you back the whole time, Emily. He unlocked the reason Wait. why. This is why you like Jakar and Londo because they're always horny, right? Yeah. Yep, that's it. Wait, okay. on this and topic, even Lanier is too. <laughs> I was very saying I'm a Lanier. We did have the woohoo comment so, <laughs> in the previous episode. So, um, can I give a shout out to Ryan since we're talking about the horny, the horny comments? <laughs> um, Wait, um, hold no, on. No, 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 no. Time out. The meme. Ryan the is meme. married, my friend. No, it's not like that. The meme that he put in there about Sinclair on our Grace 17 Facebook page, fucking hilarious. The meme that he made. So funny. That's all I was going to say. I wasn't going to hit on him or say anything weird, you perverts. Okay, come on. You started that conversation by saying, speaking of horny, let me do a shout out to Ryan. We were in the middle of talking about it, so I had to bring it up because that's, you know, a fitting, a fitting time. Ryan, I really hope he lives in Australia and he gets the podcast when it releases about three or four o'clock. I'm really hoping you were eating right then, Ryan, and you spit all over to the computer. I really hope that happened. Oh, that was hilarious. Though. The picture of Sinclair with that shitty grin on his face. Right. Like, I was dying. I literally snort laughed and I was like, props to you, man. You're funny. You guys didn't think that was funny? <laughs> no, I think it's fucking hilarious. Okay. I, and I'm pretty sure, like I said, Ryan's going to spit some shit out of his mouth when he listens to it. I was just giving him props for that iconic post. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and now go to our first ones who have watched all of the show, and we'll go to Mike first. First impressions, Mike. I didn't hate it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I Like, in all seriousness, um, I, I, maybe I've reached the point where I wasn't on last week, and that episode didn't do much for me either. And I would say that the part where Delenn is going off and investigating the awesome space mystery was pretty pretty good. I enjoyed that part of it, that half of the episode. The stuff on Mars with Marcus and Franklin, like I don't I don't mind the buddy cop vibes. 
and I mean, Marcus is the ultimate wingman, so good or good on him. But like, I, I don't know what it is, man. That side of the story is like this is uninteresting and borderline cringy to me. And we can get into the reasons why, but I'm not feeling it at all. And you know, then the the so-called C plot with the uh, Sheridan starting a TV station with Ivanova, like, okay, eh, sort of, sort of an interesting idea to combat propaganda with i mean propaganda but uh yeah so overall i don't know this this episode was kind of highs and lows for me like so i actually do like this episode uh particularly i like the delin part where she's out there kind of investigating what the hell's going on only to find out it i love the response to pharrell in the episode it's basically like you fucking idiot uh from delin but that bit where, you know, she looks at Lanier and goes, who says we're going back to Babylon 5? You know, I love when Delenn gets pissed and decides she's just going to go fuck somebody up. And she jumps the ships back in. And then just that line where she just, Delenn dead to camera, end this, is probably one of my other favorite Delenn lines in the entire uh, series uh, for moments for Mira Furlan and that character. So I, I enjoyed this episode. I also like that it's starting to establish, you know, we tied up a lot of threads with the Shadow War and then we had a couple episodes in between, and now we're starting to get back into what's going on with Earth and some of the different uh, pieces they're starting to put together, uh, particularly with this episode, you've got the, uh, I can't remember, uh, what is it, Captain Jack? Is that the, uh, Captain Jack, you know, the, the creature that's on him, and you start to get these little bits and pieces to draw connections to what's going on elsewhere in the galaxy and still going on. Uh, so for that, I really like this episode. Plus, I like that, you know, they're going to set up their own, you know, version of MSNBC to counter Fox News. <laughs> Hi to our viewers. It's all propaganda. Oh, wait, that was Mike who said that. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoy this episode because it finally kind of moves the plot along in a couple different ways. We have been complaining, myself included, that Delenn has done literally nothing uh, for most of season four. And now, in this episode, Delenn says... I have done nothing <laughs> since you've come back from Zaha Doom. So when I was talking several weeks ago about how I hadn't been a fan of what Delenn was doing, but I said, now the people who have watched the show will tell me, but this happens and this happens and this happens. This is one of those episodes I was referring to is she basically gets her mojo back and says, I need to go do my stuff and stop being next to you all the time. So Honestly, I mean, that's why I thought you would like this episode, because it actually gets Delenn on the playing board again. Along with that, um, I get where you're coming from, Mike, but I, I think even though there's not much happening on Mars in this episode, just Marcus and Franklin together are really fun for me, especially when Franklin uh, is trying to not look like he wants to get in the shack with number one, but uh, Marcus is just kind of poking him with his stick over and over again until he does. Well, I, I just love that 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 wingman stuff. It's great. Do we, do we want to get right into it and start with, with discussing that part of the show then? Let's do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, like, I also like the, the chemistry between those two actors. And I like that they gave this kind of overall message about how these sort of um, resistance efforts bordering on terrorism happen right and how like civilians died and that became an issue i appreciate all of that nuance that they tried to cram into this i find especially the actress that plays number one to be not that great <laughs> or at least the way that they characterize her is the brooding hard ass who's also like over the top sultry for some reason 
um, I don't appreciate, and I don't really appreciate the romance entanglement with Franklin in terms of that story. Like, it's funny, but it seems out of place. So yeah, like, I, I don't know, like I said, overall, like, that side of the story just doesn't do much for me. Like, I get a kick out of Franklin and Marcus, but that's about it. Nicole? See, I feel the complete opposite. <laughs> so, um, obviously, yes, the Marcus Franklin stuff is hilarious. I mean, it's they struck gold with those two together. Um, when Marcus is picking on him, calling him a cheap bastard, betting him, egging him on to, you know, hit it, get it, you know, whatever. That was hilarious to me. And the speech I thought that Franklin gave, I thought that was really good acting on his part. Like, he was very impassioned and i i really enjoyed watching him like take that role and just kind of like speak on behalf of babylon 5 and you know rally the troops and because i don't really feel like we've seen franklin do that before like in this sort of way where he was kind of like giving an impassioned speech like that i mean we've seen him have moments of like excitement and passion and like be involved but this was like really him kind of standing out on his own and like really going for it and i really enjoyed seeing that because it's really not something we always see usually it's him doing something narcissistic or weird or hitting on chicks or whatever but like he really i just i really enjoyed that part i thought it was great um, would, you, at, would you would you say it was him being more of a like taking like a leader. on more more of a leadership yes, role than yes. like just soapboxing? Yes, I feel like this was the transition of him being more on because he's always been in the inner circle, right? He's always been in the war room. He's always been involved, but I don't. I think I felt like he was more of a player before. This really solidified him as a leader. I thought, you know, and I really enjoyed that. And Marcus just kind of backing him up and like cheering him on like I, I really enjoyed that too so I really really liked that part of uh of the show and I really thought that was awesome for him to to really kind of take that step and then as far as the chick goes number one I really like how she shut that Philippe guy down her ex-lover <laughs> that was epic like the whole broody thing that you're talking about I get it it's kind of like a, a trope like oh broody lady who isn't you know a badass we've seen this in tv before but I feel like it's almost necessary for that role that she's in. You know, she's got to be tough and she's got to be a hard ass, but everybody gets horny, Mike. Everybody has needs. If she wants to hump Franklin, go for it, lady. You're in the middle of a fucking war. You're in the middle of Mars. It's got no food and all these problems. Sometimes the only way to relieve the stress is to have a little nookie, you I, know? I, I just, I just, in my head, when you said that I heard Bonnie Tyler singing, I need a hero. <laughs> but it was Franklin singing it to her. <laughs> Franklin just needed to bone is what he needed. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I I don't mind that part about it because also it makes things a little bit more real and relatable because if you think about it in crisis situations and tough situations, people need to find ways to just feel some sort of human connection or, or relieve some stress or and whatever it is for each person. I'm not saying go out and fuck the world if you are stressed out i'm just saying like maybe that's what they needed at that moment because if you think about it the immense pressure that they're under the immense you know like leading this and obviously being a woman in a leadership role like that these men aren't going to want to fucking listen to her so she's got to be extra tough you know i hate to be sexist but it's true you know like how many fucking women do you see in charge of you know uh resistance or i mean besides princess leia because she's the best but you know what i mean like um there's but the like, one Star Wars. Yeah, I was gonna say, coming yeah, from the you, one Star Wars. That was a good poll. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. But seriously, though, like if you compare it to like the military or in any sort of role, like C women CEOs, like women have to work extra hard to get their respect and to like get that 
level. And, you know, I'm not trying to be sexist or negative. It's just a fact. So for her to be the way she is, I don't I don't have a problem with it just because I understand probably why she is the way she is, if that makes sense. Okay, the quote of the episode and maybe the podcast is, and I quote, I'm not saying go out and fuck the whole world, but dot, dot, dot. <laughs> well, you know what I mean, though. Like, everybody has their own way of, of relieving that, like, stress. Some people go for a drive. You know what I like to do? I like to get in my car. Go to the <laughs> what? What? To go on, Nicole. I, I like to get my, when I'm really stressed out. Do you have a stick shift? No, 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 no. I will drive to a cornfield and I will scream at the top of my lungs. I will I just scream. Say, it, it just keeps getting better. And, and I you know. do this in a cornfield, Nicole. I'll do it in a stoplight. I don't give a shit who sees me. Oh, Sometimes hey. you just got to scream and let it out. You know, scream into the, into the void, into the abyss. <laughs> I'm not fucking my car, you guys. <laughs> I was really more wondering time. what you were getting to do in that cornfield. But... No, but like, you know, go to a place that's empty so you could just scream. I just, I you... just go out there and I make crop circles. I <laughs> just keep going, Nicole. Just keep going. I will stop. I'm, I put my in my mouth. The next grace, your whole leg is shoved in there right now. <laughs> the next grace 17 bonus episode will be the birds and the bees featuring Nicole. <laughs> I mean, I could give that talk if you really want. But... <laughs> Every day, somebody gets horny. I would almost <laughs> rather Nicole record that that I could give to my child later than having to do it myself. <laughs> there you go. We could sell that. And I'll do it we without cussing. <laughs> no, she won't. <laughs> Well, if there's a little, you know, if I'm talking to a kid about that, I'm not going to be like, so your mom and dad fucked last night, you know, like. Can, okay, time out. Now we're talking about Mike fucking. Can we please stop, please? Mike gets horny too. He's a man. I just want to make Scott uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, my God. If you're still with us, I don't know why. But Blake, can you add to the conversation, please? You're killing me. You're actually oh. killing me. Okay. <laughs> You see what happens when, when Kevin's not around when we talk about fucking. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we do that when he is anywhere. Here. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so let's give this a try and see if we can't, you know, get this back in somewhere. Um, so Nicole mentioned the speech that Frank that Franklin gave. Uh, kind of that rallying group trying to get the resistance to get on board with uh, Sheridan and opposing Earth. And I think it's interesting. This does kind of set up a little bit of a juxtaposition because you have on one side Garibaldi who clearly you know who has been you know whatever he's gone through and is very much anti-Sheridan and the cult of personality around Sheridan and then you have Ivanova who she respects Sheridan but I wouldn't say she's necessarily a true believer in a cult of personality around Sheridan and then you have in this episode you've got Franklin with that bit of you know, if you said you had wings, could fly to New York, I would, you know, laugh at you. But if Sheridan did it, I'd tell him to pick me up some bagels. So you really see Franklin has fully bought into that uh, cult of personality around Sheridan. And I think it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition when you see the different characters interact in this, uh, where you see that fist fight that breaks out with Garibaldi, while at the same time, then you've got Franklin out singing the praises, basically. Yeah, I want to add a little bit to number one, too, and I completely agree with Nicole on this, is I I think the 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 actor is doing fine with what she has. Um, she's got a long list of TV show credits, and I think she's, you know, doing well there. And really, I agree that when you're somebody who is trying to lead a ragtag insurrection 
you're going to have to be kind of dead inside to keep yourself from emotionally losing it every five minutes. So I I completely write off her kind of, I don't know, I don't know if blandness is the right word, but whatever you want to call it, I, I write that off as her trying to protect herself. And again, to Nicole's wonderful points, uh, sometimes she has to have a release from that. And so she finds a way to do that. And I, so I, I have no problem with the direction they're taking the character. I, I can, again, Mike, I can see where you're coming from on it, but it just doesn't rub me the right, the same way. Uh-huh. Nicole. Well, and also too, like, <clears throat> I like how she basically called Franklin out was like, you're a liar, but the kind of liar that I like, because they didn't know about the, the terrorist attacks and the bombings or whatever. And I think Franklin, knew that that bothered her obviously because she heard that inter- he heard the interaction or whatever and he used that piece of information to kind of help her get that kind of stopped if that makes sense and like also continue to rally the troops so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, way for him to kind of throw that in there because that was very much on the fly and that's another thing too like just a testament to Franklin in this because you have to be able to think on your feet in a situation like that, right? Like he just came up with that in the middle of that big speech. So I thought that was really cool that he was able to kind of piece that together and utilize that in his message and it worked. So that was really neat. Um, And yeah, I mean, it also gave, you know, Richard Biggs a moment to shine, which I feel like he has a lot of great acting ability that isn't always utilized but being able to see him have like a big moment like this, I, I, you guys know, I've always liked Franklin, even when he was creepy moments, I like him. And I think that he's an underutilized actor at some points on the show. Cause I feel like he could do so much more. Um, so it was really cool to just have him have that big moment. I, I have to agree. You've made a lot of really good points and, and I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I do think I, I, I questioned, you know, Franklin throughout the series, We he, it's not that he hasn't done anything. Like, we know that he was responsible for setting up the, the Underground Railroad for telepaths and stuff like that. But I do agree with you that his role as a member of the sort of inner circle of Babylon 5 has not really been very clear or made a lot of sense to me. And And even just a few episodes back when Sheridan assigns him this mission, I found myself asking, why? Why, Franklin? Why would you send the doctor to go do this? And so this does or has um, this little field trip has really solidified for me the fact that now he's he's more than the doctor. He is a leader. He is one of the command staff. So I, I absolutely get that part of it. And, you know, your other various points about um, the number one character, I also, I agree with. I think it it all makes good sense. I think a lot of my issues come down to the writing and maybe the, what should we say, the the, the, the lack of uh, time to develop the character and the understanding that that's maybe what's happening. I mean, I can, I've watched enough shows and lived enough life and I can read between the lines and infer all that stuff. But if I just watch these, what, three episodes that this storyline has been taking place in, it just feels weird. So that's basically where I will leave my whole discussion of that side of the story. Uh, you know, and I've made no bones about the fact that I think this whole kind of earth civil war storyline is probably going to be hard for me so maybe that's the beginning of that too yes i did crack up when you said i made no bones about it we are so off the rails tonight (laughs) (laughs) nicole one thing mike is that i feel like this kind of show is i don't want to say it's open for interpretation but i feel like it, it resonates with each of us differently sometimes and that's totally okay you know you're gonna 
like one storyline more than me, or I'm going to like one storyline more than you. And that's okay. And that's what the beauty of this is, is that we're all going to have different um, takes on different things, you know? Um, And maybe this specific storyline doesn't resonate with you, but another one will. But for me, just, you know, being a woman clawing myself through the world, I, it resonates with me a little bit more and that's totally okay. Like we're all going to have different takes on it. But what I love so much is that we all pretty much have the same kind of like, like we agree on a lot of the main points, but we have little nuances that bug us. And it's fun for me too. Cause sometimes I feel like I don't know all the tropes with sci-fi and this is still a new world for me, but as we've done the podcast and we've gone along, I've kind of figured out like the little things that I'm like, oh, Mike's going to like this. Emily's going to like this. Justin's going to like this. Emily's going to hate this. So it's kind of almost like a puzzle for me too to kind of like put together who's going to like what. So I really, you know, I definitely think you also have some valid points. And I, you know, like I think that that's the beauty of having this discussion is like we're all going to have different takes on everything, but also we all kind of see it in the same lens in a way. So I I don't know. But yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Like I think that, you know, um, it's just a different, it just hits you different than it hits me, if that makes sense. And I, I love that. So I just, I don't know why I wanted to throw that in, but I did. Yeah, I get it. Let's go ahead and move on to the B5. Uh, and Nicole, you're completely right. There are three subplots here. So let's talk about the uh, the voice of the resistance and then we'll get to Dylan. So anything you all want to talk about with Ivanova and Sheridan, Nicole? Well, first of all, when Sheridan got the idea, he got some crazy eyes. Did you guys notice that? It like the idea hit him and his eyes just lit up and he kind of went a little crazy and goes in Ivana's Ivanova's room in the middle of the night, wakes her up, makes her come over there. I just I I like it was just so funny to me that like he <laughs> it, he was like a little kid with excitement. So um, as far as my thoughts on that uh i'm excited to kind of see that come to fruition and i i know justin's usually the history guy but i loved the world war ii reference that he made about how that they did that in world war ii so that was kind of cool to kind of see that juxtaposition sheridan always likens things and references them back to things that happened on earth and things that we would recognize which i thought was really neat so um, yeah, but overall, I, I'm excited to see where this goes. And I think it's the age old, we're going to fight fire with fire. We're going to fight the same battle. You know, you're going to put out lies. Well, we're going to put out the truth. And like, I forgot who it was that said Fox and MSNBC. <laughs> I was Blake, right? Yeah. So, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Mike. Yeah, I was just going to say like uh, Sheridan showing up in the middle of the night when he has his his epiphany. Like, have we all had that boss at some point in our careers? I can tell you a brief story of of I had I had a workaholic boss who, you know, famously woke up at 3 a.m. and did his best thinking in the shower at 4 a.m. and all that kind of business. And there is a point in time when our work schedules were, were pretty flexible. And so I would uh, I was purposely trying to to get into work as early as possible because I wanted to get there before most of the other people showed up because that was when I was the most productive, not getting interrupted all the time. And there were so many times when I would like drive down to the office at 6 a.m., which is just ludicrously early. And I'd pull into the parking lot and his car was already there. Or or I would pull past the parking lot, see his car and be like, nah, fuck that. And I'd go and get a donut. Because I just knew nothing was going to get done because I was going to catch an earful of whatever genius new thing he thought of was. This is kind of Sheridan's M.O., right? I mean, every time he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Let me stare at a screen for five months and decide what to do. 
Oh, I've decided what to do. There's a hole in that fleet over there that's been there the entire time I've been staring <laughs> at it. I still, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that scene will never work for me. Yeah, this, that this was This made more sense. I'm still thinking there's probably no human resources on this damn station, though, because, you know, when you show up at your first officer's station quarters in the middle of the night and she's in her nighty, and you just stand there and go, huh? Are you thinking that maybe there would be some kind of... Uh, court martial in the future for good old captain sheridan so what exactly did you do in her room yeah i guess they're not military now but yeah i know for me i mean uh, again i know a couple of you said that this episode didn't do much for you but this again it, it, it feels like we're just starting to finally spin some wheels when we haven't been spinning for a long time so we've had isn kicking the crap out of us for a while now and aside from letting them on the station and letting them kick the crap out of you some more they haven't done anything. Now our characters are starting to say, okay, let's actually do something about it. So that makes me happy that we're actually doing something. And also, remember when we interviewed Claudia, uh, well, you know, two seasons ago, she had said that it was, there was a time there, and I think she was referring to season two for the most part, where she felt like she was just directing traffic in CNC. This is giving her something to do too. And so I do appreciate that. We're getting our characters more engaged and getting our actors who we all like more to do as opposed to just kind of running around or going to a drowsy party off screen. So I think this this episode does a lot to kick everything into gear, which is why I like it. Nicole. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think Ivanova is 100% the right choice for it. Emily. I guess I'm kind of questioning how involved Sheridan's actually going to be in all the broadcasting stuff, because as we saw with the interview, absolute fucking shit show because he underestimated what they were going to do with what they all said so i think i'm just i know they're the ones controlling it and what they're saying but it still makes me nervous that they may not have learned enough yet for this to be as effective as it could or should be so your ultimate concern is our characters are stupid well, I mean, there are times where they do appear less than um, their usual intelligent analytical selves, where you're <laughs> like, I don't know that this fits. Naive. Yeah. I'm interested to see how it'll play out, because so far, them working with any sort of news source has not gone well. It is, it is pretty funny. We crapped on them pretty hard in that episode and how they dealt with the ISN interviewer. And now they're going to like double down on that and try to do it themselves better. Like that's, that's what another, another one of those things that's, I find kind of funny. It's like one person says, I'm going to do it this way. And person two that has no experience or qualifications is like, that's stupid. I'll do it better. Are you talking about your boss again? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Very <Blake>. convincing, Mike. <laughs> well, I think another reason, not just countering ISN, but they kind of alluded to when Sheridan gave his little World War II history lesson and the voice of the resistance with France. They don't know who their allies are out there. They they think there's probably more people out there that support them, but they don't necessarily know who or have a way to communicate and coordinate activities for people who may be inclined to be on their side. So another part of this isn't just, you know, countering the ISN narrative or creating their own news network. It's actively starting to coordinate those people out there who are opposed to Clark and who want to do something, but haven't had a way to necessarily coordinate or work together. Completely right, because in the last plot, we saw that Franklin was just sending out a video in the blind because they have no idea who's working for him or who's not. And if they don't know who's with them or against them, how do like that 
it feels very risky to know who will be hearing that message, how it will be interpreted, and will you, the people you want to like align themselves with you, will they interpret it correctly? That's true, but I think at this point, they have nothing to lose. Right, they have to they, take the risk. Yeah, I guess, and that's kind of what Sheridan alludes to, is like, we're getting beat to hell, so it can't get any worse. Anything else on this part? Okay, let's go to Badass Delin. Who wants to talk about Badass Delin? Nicole. Yo, those drocks straight up look like demon aliens. They looked evil. And their Blurry. ships, yeah, their their ships looked like Vorlon shuttlecocks. That's exactly what they look like to me. You know, that game, you know, the, <laughs> but they did. Badminton? Or yeah, I don't know badminton. what they call yeah. it in yeah. Europe. Somebody. Yeah. <laughs> The little shuttlecocks where they got the little ball in the front, they got the little wings at the end. That's what they look like to me. And they look like they had that Vorlon skin, like that skin where it's like, you know, living or whatever. So they, to me, I'm like, what is that? A Vorlon shuttlecock? I said that out loud. Um, and then the guy who got off it looked like a fucking demon alien drunk weirdo. So those... those... Hold on. They look like cocks. And then the guy who got off of it looks like a weirdo. Okay, again, putting Jesus. my leg in my mouth. Sorry, guys. Praising. Oh. I give up. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I had to chime in because it looked like Blake was going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> I'm not meaning to be dirty. It just sounds like that. <laughs> um, it's just her innate way of She's even describing its skin tone, which is even better. He was riding the cock, and then he had to get off, and he was all blurry for some reason. That's, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> but and he walked weird yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i agree like he looked really badass and spooky and the blurry thing was actually i don't know i thought it was kind of interesting but then he also like had the body physical movements of an absolute drunk and i don't understand that decision whatsoever well apparently after riding a vorlon shuttlecock that may be what I... happens according to nicole i mean yolo i guess <laughs> jesus emily you go oh christ um trying to not choke on Twizzler. It's kind of hard. Thanks, Nicole. So this new species, the Drock, are they from like a different time phase? Because with all the blurriness, it reminded me of like in Star Trek when they're out of phase with whatever time they're in. I so the are, same thing. is that like what they're supposed to be? Are they supposed to be out of phase? I'll, I'll go ahead and answer that and say no. The, the main issue, because um, they actually had some notes from uh, one of the effects guys and costume designers is that they put the drop costuming together and it totally did not look convincing at all. So this was the best thing they could come up with in post-production to do something uh, to have an otherworldly appearance because just the practical costuming didn't do it. Didn't do enough. <laughs> and I was asking about the face because I'm like, that could really add a next level of fuckery to this whole situation if now they're working in like different time phases and we have a whole like Enterprise Suleban issue. <laughs> that's so what we cool. need in the show. Is we need future guy. That's what we need. So, so that's really funny because honestly, my brain, my my Star Trek brain kicked in, and I was like, "Oh, that's some kind of he's out of phase with this reality or dimension or time or whatever." So I'm curious to ask Nicole, what did you make of the blurriness? I had no idea what the hell was happening. I'm like, "What is that?" Like, I I thought maybe like the tape, like the tape messed up, or like there was like a you know, <laughs> is my TV broken. What the hell? Yeah, I was like, what? 
what why is he blurry like I, I just didn't i had no idea i was like i was thinking more of like is this like a demon from hell that's an alien like i i had no honestly i had no clue i don't no, know the she, orgasm was just that good i yeah i mean i had no clue about phasers and I, what you guys are talking about i have no fucking no idea what that is but not, not phasers phasing oh phasing yeah. different thing yeah but yeah. i just i had no idea like really i i I was just looking okay. at him like, okay, I don't know what this guy's deal is. I'm going to send it. you a really good video from Carl Sagan's Cosmos where he explains the fourth dimension. Seriously, I think you'll okay. enjoy it. Okay. He uses an apple and a table to show how you would experience a fourth dimensional being when you're in the third dimension. Interesting. And it's kind of like what Mike's referring to. Send it to me too. Um, okay. Well, that's interesting. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I really, I'd really wondered like, why did they go with this choice? Because I don't think it's a spoiler. Like I don't remember that it ever becomes relevant again. Okay. I did have another point about this, this scene or part of the scene, mainly the aspect that they let the drag ship dock because they had to, or they're going to get their asses blown up. But then they seemingly didn't bother to escort him as he wandered through the White Star and magically found his way to the bridge where Delenn was standing. And also, I found it kind of hilarious how all of these other Mibari were, like, standing around on the White Star having water cooler talk, just, like, completely oblivious to what was going on until the Drock, like, turned the corner and walked towards them. I don't know if anybody else noticed that or not, well, but... And then we let the Drock just exit the bridge and walk by himself to his shuttle. I, again, like, he walked on and walked back off. See like... ya. Maybe there were security cams and we just didn't see that part of it. <laughs> There's some Mimbari telepaths scanning him the whole time. I mean, tell tell Lloyd and Hank to, like, get out of the hallway, because the guy's <laughs> the weird alien coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're just standing around like, oh my god, did you see that that person's bone today i <laughs> know it was ridiculous now i want to know what cast it's like they you... slept at a 30 degree angle instead of a 45 degree angle am i right <laughs> i'm assuming that's worker class i'm just gonna assume nicole and yes i know fans said there's not probably any worker class on the white star i know that but don't at me nicole uh, is it just me or was anyone else having trouble understanding what the drop guy was saying i um, thought that was a point yeah not like i yeah, I really didn't understand anything. So, and and I'm pretty sure I got this part though. At the very end, when he was walking around, walking away, and then he turns around, he said Delenn, right? Yeah, because yeah. that was the whole. Okay. So well, the whole idea was, yeah. uh, idiot brought the White Stars to them. Yes, but he didn't say who was commanding the White Stars. And as soon as they heard Delenn, that's when they decided, okay, these guys need to die. Yeah, okay. these guys being the White Stars. And but here's the thing, like this guy must be a stupid ass alien because. Why would you give a warning? Huh? I know who you are, Delenn. Like I would just walked know? off and shot at him. You know, I think what it I was mean? kind of. I think it was kind of more of like a surprise. Like if you walk into a room and hey, have you met Abe Lincoln over here? Lincoln. That's kind of what it was. But he did it when he was leaving. Okay. Oh, did, is that? That's when. They, that's when. They, that's when he said. The, that's when the guy said the name. Right, but wouldn't he have been up surprised at? when he first came on board and he didn't know until the end oh, of the conversation the okay then re religious idiot says delenn oh he that's... turns and goes delenn 
I okay. I didn't catch the idiot saying it. Okay. And okay. To clarify, the, well, the idiot guy that we're talking about is the Mimbari Forel. I believe yes. Blake said it, and it sounded to me like he said Forel, and I don't want any Minions fans to get pissed at us. <laughs> I was thinking Forel, like the singer. Yeah, yeah. Forel Williams, <laughs> who does the yeah. soundtrack for all the Rise but, of Truth. Here's the one problem I have with this bit, though, because the okay, Delenn does not exactly look like every other Mimbari, right? True. Exactly. And the guy didn't know until you hear the name, and then it's oh, oh, Delenn. It's like, okay, how many Mimbari ladies are running around with a head full of hair that just kicked your fucking ass? I kind of chalk it up to like, you know, good old Star Trek balance of terror before Enterprise screwed it up, and like, oh, we don't know what the Mimbari look like. We just know it was the Mimbari who attacked us, but you're right. It's a little bit of a plot hole. Did, did the Drock have hair? Would he even know what hair is if someone told him? Well, I mean, I see you have follicles bald with a bone, and that's got hair around it. I mean, come on. <laughs> but he could have just assumed it was like some sort of distinguishing feature for her position on the ship, not necessarily her as Delin. Uh, the it's clear that Drock did not watch ISN. Yeah, he didn't seem like the brightest alien in the box. I'm over here cracking up at the idea of somebody trying to explain to a Drock what hair is, and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> I do like the the scary nature of the draw, and, and you can kind of see it in Lanier's face. Like we're not translating that; they know our language. And I also like, you know, again going back to Star Trek. Sorry, but Star Trek has a universal communicator or a universal translator. I'm sorry. So like they they can speak with anyone, and everything. I like the fact that in this universe, Lanier sends an easier language, not Mimbari, that could be decoded faster that they both could communicate with. That's just kind of fun little stuff that like B5 is more kind of steampunk than utopian yeah. future. There there are some fun little technical details that you can appreciate the, the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Nicole. I mean, I definitely was taken aback when he entered the ship and like came in and like you actually saw him for the first time. He was really creepy looking. And <laughs> Mike, it, the water cooler combo you just did was that's hilarious but when he finally approached them you even saw like Lanier kind of step back and was like what the hell is this thing like they were all I feel like they were all taken aback what is this I just think he looks so ominous and in my mind I was like is he like an offshoot of the shadows and I kind of thought that when I first saw him and then when she said that at the end when he said to Len and turn around and got off the ship and she realized bro, you just brought me to get slaughtered, essentially. Then it all came to fruition. But I was actually pretty pretty proud of myself that I kind of caught on to that, like that he was either with the shadows or part of the shadows, or I was like, ooh, I was right about one thing. <laughs> Emily. Okay, so slightly derailing the topic. So Pharrell, with an O, not Pharrell, <laughs> if that's correct. Did anyone else watch his mouth when he was speaking and think he would make a great Dr. Frankenfurter in a stage production of Rocky Horror, or am I just a total weirdo? Yes. <laughs> you thought so too? No, yes. you're a total weirdo. I can't see that's I can't say that's where my head went with that, no. Okay. <laughs> I can absolutely see why it's where your head went. <laughs> all right, just just check uh, in. All right. all right, great. If you also saw Dr. Frankenfurter when you saw the Drock, you can get a hold of Emily on Facebook. Uh, Enjoy. Send us, send us your memes. <laughs> yes, yes. There you go. Mean it. Okay. Here we go, meme warriors. We know you're out there still. I you need know a what Minbari to do. Frankenfurter. Well, Drock Frankenfurter, right? No, she Whatever. meant the, the other oh. guy. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. Never mind. The one who brought the drock. He brought the drock and the drock killed him. <laughs> that guy was stupid. I hated him from the, the beginning. <laughs> but, you know, and we haven't talked about it much since Blake kind of brought it up in his first impressions. But again, I love the fact that when Delenn is not near Sheridan, she gets to do her own shit. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, slowly move away like we're going to leave and then turn around and kill all of them. And, and just annihilate them. That yes. actually felt really nice to watch. In this. <laughs> like, ah, there's my Delenn I've been missing. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Nicole. Yeah, when she got that serious look on her face and she said, end this, in my mind, I just had gangster rap playing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> get it, girl. Like, I... I like literally was like, yes, I like screamed at the screen. And I was just it was it was just another iconic moment like of her taking charge and kicking ass and taking names like it was so epic. Yeah, she was all like, because I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Emily, I thought that scene was really interesting because I know when we talked about her making the decision to essentially end the humans after that initial encounter went completely sideways and some people seem surprised by that and then we see this and i'm like it's always been in her that level of rage and like the willingness to just be like they're all gonna die and just fuck them all (laughs) and it was and it's funny how um well not funny haha but funny we might have problems (laughs) (laughs) um that like we're all like genocide's bad and then Dylan's like end them and she could we don't know how much of their population is on those ships she could have just essentially committed genocide and we're like woohoo Dylan (laughs) all life is sacred but white stars go pew pew (laughs) hey you know what your civilization was fine until you took out white star 16 then we're just pissed at you yeah it's not the first time that Dylan's gone for genocide yeah yeah. Hi, people then. who uh, were pissed at me at the last episode. Hi. Or two episodes ago. Okay. What was his name? Erickson. Yeah, Erickson, played by Cranston. Oh, and I just saw a meme on Facebook that's a picture of him on the White Star, and it says, before Walter White started selling drugs. Rangers. <laughs> yeah, he, w- <laughs> he will always be Zordon to me. That movie was good. I don't care what anyone says. Lizard or whatever. Yeah, anyway, we don't need to rehash that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and move into our last little part with our uh, our smaller crowd of newbies, and that is asking them for their questions and predictions. They have not watched past lines of communication, so we're going to ask if they have any lingering questions about what they saw, uh, and I'm sure Emily will have questions about an episode 15 years ago that she'll have questions on. That's usually how it goes. And then we'll also ask for predictions as well, too, what they think is going to happen next. Then we're going to eject them out the airlock and become a sausage fest and talk about all spoilers in the Beyond the Rim section. True. did not agree to that. Actually, I guess I did. What's Justin calling now? Beyond the Rim job. Here we go. Okay. Still not a thing. Still not a thing. Emily, questions and predictions. Okay, question. How many more little shadow friends are we going to encounter? Because we've seen the Keepers and we've seen the Drop now. And there's got to be more than those two out there. So will we ever see more than these two hey wheel of time friends she did just say shadow friends <laughs> anyway go on where's lita what's she up to um when does buster return because we know he's out there plotting and planning and probably trying to hatch something some sinister little plan of his and does the b5 news station actually function and have an impact in a positive way 
or do they manage to fuck this up too? Any predictions? Um, Dylan's gonna be much more of a badass now that she's away from Sheridan and his whiny little bitchiness. I don't like him. Maybe he'll improve if she's not around. We'll see. Will yeah, I like some... him more by the end of the season? What we'll do you see. Predict. Yeah, do you predict you'll like Sheridan more? So far, it's not looking good. <laughs> Survey says no. This is one that we also didn't mention at all, that Delenn is now going to go off and try to stop a Minbari civil war. So we've got an Earth civil war, and we got a Minbari civil war. Fun times. So how many other civil wars are actually happening after the whole Shadow of Warlon war ended? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think I can, I'm not, I don't have a number for you, but that was the Shadow's M.O., Throughout the entire war, they were fiddling with to people. Like we stabilize everybody yeah, else. We heard little side things over the course of three seasons that all the non-aligned worlds were either pushing forward with military efforts or being defensive because the shadows were trying to put, change territories and doing all that. So, which yeah, I mean, also makes me wonder what is Lon, what are Londo and Veer doing? How are things going on Centauri Prime? Haven't seen them in a bit. Got the little strings over the region going, dance, puppet, dance. Dude, marionette puppets freak me out, all right? Especially when they have the voice of the regent. Okay, Pastels. and we need memes of marionette puppets and the little keepers. And What about, what about when you're Garibaldi and you just wake up in a hallway and one is staring you in the face and then you get tranquilized again and then you wake up again and he's still staring you in the face? <laughs> exactly. You shouldn't be here. Yeah. Speaking of marionettes, have you watched the... Uh, the last of the three Doctor Who specials before the new Doctor took over. Yep. That, yeah, that's a creepy marionette doll or marionette puppet tier. Oh, got another question. Well, that's all right then. Garibaldi. Um, do he and Sheridan actually figure their shit out? Because Delin kind of hinted at like you know things haven't been quite right, and Garibaldi's not in the inner circle anymore, and she kind of hinted at like, dude, figure it the fuck out. So do they actually get to some point where it's not so? Awkward. Yeah. I, I, I know like I beat besties again, but just not so hostile. Yeah. I know I've beat this dead horse now, but again, this is why I like this episode. Shit is moving. Delenn calls Sheridan on his shit too about Garibaldi. He's not even the gal darn episode. Mm -hmm. And Delenn's like, hey, Sheridan, stop being a dick. This episode had its fiber. But Emily didn't hate it. Exactly. I didn't hate it. So it's fine. Uh -huh. Nicole, questions and predictions. So I guess my one question is very similar to Emily's about how many more people were with the shadows, but how did they live on Zaha Doom? Like did those Drox live there or how many other races lived on Zaha Doom, if any, because I'm just curious, like when Delenn said your home got destroyed, what was your home? And then he just said home or whatever. Did they live on Zaha Doom with the shadows uh, and how many other races lived there? I can't answer the second question for you now, but they said in the dialogue, because Lanier said that the escape their home world that just blew up, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay. So Lanier made the connection and Delenn did after the fact yeah. that, oh, these guys read Zaha Doom. Okay. And there were some of the races or whatever uh, leaving that they saw leaving shared and showed up. Yeah. Okay. That's what yeah. I, okay. I, that's what, know, that's I, what they started making the connection. Like, Oh, these yeah. guys are not good. Well, I, I assumed that that was what they were referring to, but it, I guess a possible alternate explanation is that they were one of the worlds that the Warlons nuked because of their involvement um, with the shadows. So. Could be. Yeah. Same conclusion. They're bad. Yeah. yeah. Either way. And then other than that, I think my only questions would be what's going to happen now with 
you know, Delenn being gone and Sheridan kind of leading the charge again. And um, is that is that going to be a good thing or a bad thing? Like, are they both going to make progress in their missions or is it going to be one of the, oh, we miss each other too much, kind of we have to get back together kind of thing? Um, and then other than that, prediction wise, I would say uh, we obviously haven't seen the last of the Drox and I'm curious to see how many other little fucking sp- shadow minions are out there. I know that they are out there and I feel like they might band together. And I hope I hope that's not the case, but I'm kind of feeling like maybe that's the direction that could potentially happen at some point. Well, next week we'll be back here again to discuss conflicts of interest. And we will have our newbies leave us now. And after the credits roll, please stick around if you've already seen the show or you don't care about spoilers. And Blake, Mike, and myself will answer these questions and predictions. So until next week, remember to like, subscribe, follow, leave reviews. I've been Scott, and with me has been... Emily. Blake. Nicole. And Mike. And we'll see you soon. Somebody do some kind of outro that's funny. Franklin got his dick wet. <laughs> it's there sausage party time. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed everything. Jesus. I was trying to think of something good like along the lines of she didn't resist very much. Ba, ba, ba. And on that uh, note, I'm going to woohoo my ass to bed. <laughs> See you guys later. Newbies, be gone. Is, is that what you call it? You woohoo yourself? No, I'm just going to bed. In, the, in the cornfield? She's got to oh, go God. give a oh, let wow. out a primal scream in the cornfield. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to scream in the house because the neighbors will think I'm dying. <laughs> she, she keeps quiet in the house. <laughs> My God. I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> Enjoy the woohoo. <laughs> He's at work. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim again. This is a spoiler section, so if you have not watched past lines of communication or just don't remember what happens next, you should exit now and come back next week. If not, we'll go ahead and dive in. And guys, we have some questions dealing with the Drock first, so let's deal with those. And first one is, how many more Shadow Friends are we going to encounter? And I love this part. We have seen the Keepers and the Drock so far. Yeah. Have we, Emily? Have we, Emily? There's no reason that they would know that those are related, but uh, I, don't, I actually don't remember if we see other shadow races. There, there's a couple of them are referred to in ancillary media. There may be a couple referred to in the show that I'm just forgetting about, but the Drock are the new yeah. big bads who will be set up as the main villains of Crusade and don't factor much because Crusade, you know, 
is crusade. So back in 2005, there was for a little bit uh, about um, a movie that JMS was trying to produce that he had a script for, because even though JMS doesn't own the TV rights, he actually does own the movie rights. So he was trying to push that. And the name of the movie was going to be Memory of Shadows. And all we know about it was Galen from Crusade was going to be joining the Earth Force Intelligence and trying to track down, track down Shadow Tech. So I bet you the plan for that movie that never happened was going to be looking at some other shadow friends, but it just never happened. So unfortunately, we uh, we don't know much about that. We do have some plot stuff on Lurker's Guide, but not much. But yeah. And of course, as Mike mentioned, the Drak and the Keepers are one race. We just don't know that yet. How many races lived on Zahadum? Same idea. We yeah, do we not don't, know. Don't really know. Maybe some, maybe none. <laughs> they don't factor into the show if they're there. So we don't know. And then the next question is, because Emily loves to throw out stuff that has nothing to do with the episode, when's Lita come back? Where Where is Lita? Oh, yeah, where is Lita? Uh, I don't know. She's probably on Babylon 5. That's, that's the clinical answer to the question. Well, thank you. That is extremely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> she is on Babylon 5. Um, the question is where, not what she's doing. That's true. I don't have an episode list in front of me, so I can't tell you the next time she pops up. Soon. I know soon, but I don't know when exactly. When does Bester return? Uh, a few episodes from now. Yeah, it's face of the enemy when we figure out what the hell's going on with Garibaldi. So that will be what episode number is that? Yo. I'm bouncing around here. It is episode 17. So six episodes from now. Yeah, yeah you'll get lots more Bester before this is all over. And as I was just uh, mentioning to uh, our good buddy Chris over at Dark Legacies, Walter Koenig is a national treasure. Actually, I'm wrong. He does show up in moments of transition as well, too. So he'll be back in three episodes, not six. See, shows you what I know. Does the voice of the Resistance actually work, or do they, quote-unquote, screw it up like everything else? Well, again, since this is a question and not a prediction, uh, currently, no, it does not work. It hasn't been turned on yet. <laughs> It absolutely does help mm -hmm. try to break through some of the propaganda. It absolutely, I think it helps more on the ancillary colonies as they start moving forward. They kind of get their information out. Earth is a tough nut to crack, but it definitely does help. And also we'll find out that this along with other things are going to help to at least get some Earth Force uh, folks to switch sides and help with the, the big fight to push back to Earth. So, yeah, it does. And again, it gives Ivanova something to do for a bit, which is nice. Do Garibaldi and Sheridan figure their shit out? Well, once uh, Garibaldi gets deprogrammed and shit, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to take a while. I mean, they're still kind of not buddy-buddy in season five. They've still got to figure their stuff out. And one of the, we've talked about this already, but one of the tragic things is once Garibaldi gets deprogrammed and starts trying to help because even though he does get Sheridan captured a few episodes from now, he also is the one who helps get Sheridan uncaptured, but no one trusts him. And Ivanova puts out a shoot to kill order on him. And so he's going to be dealing with this a long time after. But yeah, it is nice for Delenn to tell Sheridan to get his shit together, though. I do appreciate that. Are Sheridan and Delenn going to complete their missions or will they have to get back together first? Well, Delenn's going to complete her mission because she's going to... Uh, take over Mimbar. Well, not really take over, but she's going to stop the warrior cast from taking over Mimbar. So she'll get that done. And then she'll come save Sheridan's ass after that. Moving on to predictions. 
Dylan will be more of a badass now that she is on her own. Um, yeah, I would, I would go with that. I mean, she was clearly, as we all pointed out, much, much more take charge and badass in this episode. I, I actually, I meant to bring up the question earlier, just because I, I don't know, it's, it's an unnecessary detail, but uh, they battled the Drock, they jumped away. Was it them that turned around and came right back again? Or did she have more White Stars waiting in the wings to be called in in case she went sideways? No, they just turned around and went back and kicked oh, ass. I thought too. Mm-hmm. She's like, just pretend we're leaving and then don't leave. <laughs> no, they left. They jumped away. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. It was when they were in hyperspace and Lanier said, set a course for B5. She said, what makes you think we're leaving? <laughs> that's yes i love it which linear's like oh and of course uh when we do deal with the warrior cast delin is willing to stick herself in a fire light show thing and nuke herself to stop things so yeah she's kind of badass I'm, I'm actually really surprised that emily wasn't more gung-ho about this episode as much as she has been pushing that Delin hasn't been able to do much this was a very delin centric episode and uh we're gonna get more of them yeah but it's interesting it's interesting. But next week, we get the return of Zathras, but not that Zathras, the other Zathras. Not that Zathras, the other Zathras. This is Damn Zathras. Zathras. We get Zathras. Okay, guys, we'll go ahead and end it there for this episode again. Be sure to check out all the links down below. Please, please, please uh, join us on our social media accounts, either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, hit the like, subscribe, follow, whatever buttons you have in front of you. And if you can... Please do leave that review. It really does help us grow. We have seen a lot of movement over the past uh, several months, and we love to see the show continue to grow. And uh, your reviews definitely help get in front of new people. And if you uh, are on YouTube, again, like, subscribe, and do comments. Same idea. Those comments really help fight the algorithm and get us in front of more people, so we really do appreciate it. And if you can go all the way, feel free to join our Patreon. Uh, we have our Discord discussion board there that we have a lot of good conversations going on there in both a spoiler section as well as a general section. So all those links are down below. And we'll be right here next week when we talk about conflicts of interest. I've been Scott, and with me has been... Like and Mike. Oh, dear.